0: A writer
1: and i'm a reader
0: and this is
1: bookends a literary podcast
0: where we talk about books books, and sometimes sing occasionally We're, uh, you may not know this um but welcome we are siblings
1: yes i am the big sister
0: i am the lethal brother that was a weird accent i didn't like that <laughs> this is this is marcy She is my big sister. She is not currently in college; just graduated. Hi there. Mm
1: -hmm. Hello, it's me in the real world.
0: In the real world. Um, but a little little fun thing about us is the reason we decided to do this podcast is we figured, well, we both like reading a lot, but we like to read different things, sort of inherently different things, (laughs) and we don't have anyone else to talk about, but each other. Like with but each other. So why not force ourselves to read the genres we don't like or and then discuss them? Or just don't read, them? even. Or just don't read, yeah, yeah that's true. don't
1: like, just not the things just we are don't automatically read. drawn
0: to. So let's, that's that's, yeah, and discuss them and talk because about them.
1: up until now, each of us has been reading things avidly and independently and then coming to the other and explaining the entire plot so that we can then discuss it as opposed to just reading the same things
0: although that is enjoyable um it seemed to make more sense to put our heads together like a smart family and mm-hmm. um make this anyways <laughs> this is marcy Hi. she's a science person
1: Mm-hmm. This is Gray. He is the um, literature person. We are a younger, um, sprier, green brother situation, essentially, wherein I am Hank and you are John.
0: <laughs> that is actually pretty true.
1: <laughs> With The the older and younger doesn't line up, but the science one is and Hank, literature one does. Is Hank younger? Yeah. What? Can you not tell from his general aura of energy and spunk? I guess now that you now that
0: you say that, that doesn't make sense. I don't
1: think that has to do with their age. I think that's just them as people, though. Them as people. I mean, they're only like a few years apart. They're not like
0: huge. I mean, they're both adults, so at this point, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. But yeah, exactly it makes a big difference when you're younger.
1: But if that helps you,
0: but that helps <laughs> understand
1: us as people, one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast is because we have very different views on what we read. Not like we have different values, but like Gray is genuinely a writer and author, and I am genuinely just a person who consumes media. So you get those perspectives.
0: All right. So seeing as this is our first episode, da 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 give the rundown on sort of our system, our yeah. our sort of
1: We've devised a pretty comprehensive we believe system to rate and talk about books we both rate the book we read um one through five on six different categories and then we create an average of both of our ratings of all the categories um and that is the official rating that we give it um the other thing is that seven ratings oh wait dang it because i forgot over yeah seven ratings excuse me um, I would like to add also that I am a very critical person when it comes to rating things, and I believe that a three-star rating means it was just fine. And I will.
0: Yeah, we're not going. Yeah, we are sort of throwing away the um, Goodreads. Like, if you liked it, it's a five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no sort of rating. No rating system.
1: inflation in in this situation. Yeah, we are trying. It to... It is
0: p- purely three is just good.
1: Yep, it was good. Is a three. It was
0: four is really good.
1: Five is like changed my life, or is one of the books I will remember forever. The best
0: book mm-hmm. I've ever read in America. Two
1: is like, eh, eh meh, and one. Is yeah, like two is not great. Really bad.
0: Can we? Hey, we haven't talked about this. Can we give a zero?
1: I think the penalty zero um should be reserved for incredibly dire circumstances
0: if we accidentally make each other read um, the worst book just the worst book in the whole world
1: well i mean there's a situation because we have several different categories where maybe there were other redeeming qualities about the book but it deserves a penalty zero for something
0: speaking of why don't we give the 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 i forgot the categories (laughs) i forgot the word for categories
1: it happens it happens to the best of us yeah sure so the categories um we think encompass all of the most important parts of a book, we could have literally made like a 20 category system. We decided that seven was already more than enough. So more than just the general five star kind of system, which is nice at least. So um, the first category in our rating system is enjoyability. This one is pretty self-explanatory. It's just like, did you enjoy reading the book? This doesn't mean did you feel happy while reading the book necessarily? It just means like, did you did you enjoy it? I don't know. It, you know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, yeah, like,
0: yeah, because you can enjoy a book, but it doesn't make you happy. Yeah,
1: it can make you sad and depressed. It's a sad book, but you still, but you still enjoy like reading it. it. Yeah, exactly.
0: So the second of our rating system is balance. So basically, like, did it follow through? Like, if you look at the shape of the book, does it feel like it was too heavy on one thing and too light on one thing? Was the subplot weighing it down way too much? Was this one theme, like, just so in your face that it was hard to digest the rest of it? Like, things like that, where just, does it feel comprehensive Mm
1: -hmm. and balanced? This is also related to, like, pacing, you know, was the the beginning too. too quick and the end too slow? Or was there a drag in the middle, you know, making sure that you feel drawn in and, like, the story is moving forward the whole way through. So, yeah. Category three. Hurricane. No. Um, category three is expectations. Um, this is like a little bit more vague, but expectations is, is is expectations is essentially does it live up to your expectations of what it would be in terms of quality, in terms of type of plot, in terms of how it made you feel. Um, some of this will end up not being the author's fault because expectations can also be set by marketing. Um, and, also yourself. and also yourself.
0: I'm pretty bad about this, where I don't always read the synopsis. Yeah. Well, and I try. And so then I'm surprised by it. In I this
1: get. situation, I would not dock an author for me not reading the synopsis. It'd more be like for sure. I would dock a book for being really hyped up and I not feeling that it lived up to said hype. Yeah. Something like that. Or i give extra points to a book where I'd heard maybe not good things about it or I was kind of on the fence about it. And it exceeded those, so this gives us space to basically say, was it underrated, overrated, or appropriately rated?
0: <laughs> um, which doesn't bring us, but to but the next one is um, writing style. Mm-hmm. Was it good writing? <laughs> did, did and they, was it did not? they do good? <laughs> did they do good on a on literally on like a line by line, like a syntax, basis.
1: word choice, readability mm-hmm, level?
0: you can have a book with really good plot and you enjoyed reading it and it was really memorable. But if you just look at the, like, you just
1: don't like how they writing
0: itself, it's like clunky or, you know, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera.
1: I recently read a book where the author did that thing where they would put a word, like not a word, a sentence on a new line for emphasis. Like they'd be like, she closed the door, new line, the door, period.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that example. (laughs) Which is
1: like fine for occasional emphasis, but she did it the most and I couldn't stand it. So that would be like an example of where I would take away points for writing style. So on the next category is memorability. So is this a book that you think about? days, weeks, months, years after you've read it? Or does it, you know, dissolve into the ether of consciousness?
0: I will say probably most of them, um, for me, are going to get just a straight-up three on this mm-hmm. one. I've read so many books this year that I'm like, they just sort of float away.
1: Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like, yeah. most books do that. You know, most books Which, don't change your life. Can
0: I say, as a writer, that's like one of the bigger fears. <laughs> Like, is writing a book that people just forget about you know what? the there's moment they close it. There's always
1: going to be people that forget about it, and there's always going to be people That's that true. it sticks with. And it just depends on their own life, like circumstances and experiences, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, however, I will say some books do make more of an effort to be memorable. Um, That's true. Spoiler alert for later in the episode. I think the one we read this week does that.
0: <laughs> um, Our last, like, sub rating, I suppose, mm-hmm. would be uh believability, um, which is basically like your suspension of disbelief. While you're reading this, did you feel like the things that happen make sense for the world that it was taking place in? Which can include, like, maybe the laws of magic in if you're reading a fantasy book with magic, does that make sense for the world, or does it feel like things are coming out of nowhere and aren't explained? Or like, are the characters' actions believable? Do they act like People, <laughs> yeah, do they um, make
1: decisions that conceivably a real person yeah. might make? Yeah, it's not about realism, it's about adhering to the laws set forth in the book and understanding how yeah. humans are <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then we finally have a simple yes or no overall, would you recommend this book? You can have a caveat there, I'd recommend this book mm-hmm. for this, but um, maybe even more important than any of the rating system is our final overall would you recommend this book? So. That is true. You know, at the end of the day, you can have a three star book and still, you know, recommend it to someone be like, eh, it's still worth a read, you know? Still do that. Um,
0: <laughs> Scooby doo.
1: <laughs> so the other thing about sort of what we're going to be doing here um, is we're basically coming up with themes for each of our um, months because we're going to do two episodes a month. Um, And so each episode that month will have a theme. Um, One week, I will pick the book. The next week, Gray will pick the book. Um, But both of our books have to fit into the theme. We are also going to be having some sub-segments. Sub-segments? I think it's just segments. I think it's just just segments. segments. Um, We're also going to... Sub-segments would be like a segment within... A segment, within this which segment. Is a lot. Um, <laughs> we're also going but to be knows. having um, some segments um that will sort of it's like it's a rotating cast, depending on what's appropriate for the episode and what we have
0: going on. Yeah, what we have
1: going on, what we've read, what we're doing.
0: Speaking of themes, Marcy, what's our theme for this month? The theme
1: for this month is siblings. Because Aww. we're siblings and As someone with good relationships with my siblings, I like reading books about them. Fair enough. So, yeah.
0: Bit of a doozy to pick the book you picked, though.
1: It was a doozy, and I apologize because I did not (laughs) realize the doozy it was until it was too late. But before we get into that, let's just... We have a segment. Gray.
0: We have a segment. What is our segment? And the segment is... Tropes.
1: So this is called Trope Watch, in which
0: it's called Trope Watch. Gray talks about tropes. We we talk about tropes. We talk about good ones. Um, We talk about bad ones. This time we're going to be talking about bad ones specifically about relating to siblings. I already know where this is going. (laughs) Oh yes, you might be asking, what's a trope? To which I say, it's a thing that shows up consistently in literature and other storytelling to the point where it's identifiable. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a cliche or that it's bad. Tropes are not necessarily bad. But unfortunately, a lot of people have this idea that tropes equal bad Mm -hmm. and that if you have them in your story, then you're a bad writer, which is not true. So I just wanted to get that out of there. However, that being said, here are some tropes related to siblings that I think And that I hope we all think, well, maybe not all of us.
1: Since the trope Because some of these
0: are a little subjective. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That I I hope we can agree and at least discuss why they are bad. All right. First of all, I have brothers. It's a trope, because a lot of these have (laughs) names. Not all of them have names. But this is one where a female character's abilities are justified by her having older brothers. This is usually about things that... We consider more um, masculine or more like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like, oh, why are you, why do you know about football? She goes, I have four brothers. And they're like, yeah,
0: and it's usually, it's usually like a weird number of older brothers. And like, usually the implication is like, I had to be one of the guys growing Mm up.
1: Why do you have issues with this, Gray?
0: The sort of inherent misogyny is not great in it um yeah, i also like, don't personally
1: can't know things unless taught by men and that a girl would never have an interest in say football or being a mechanic or something
0: yeah and also like a lot of times this goes hand in hand with that like not like other girls yeah sort the of...
1: girl hate i'm mm-hmm. not like the other girls So were it's converse with my dresses kind exactly. of mentality
0: That sort of thing. I I also personally don't like the inverse, which is um, a male character justifying something more, quote, feminine um, that he does or knows or whatever by saying, like, oh, um, I have sisters or, like, I'm really close to my mom or something. Just sort of like, I, I don't like the justification of people's interests and abilities based on, what's the word? I don't like the implication that you need to have a justification for your interests at all and your abilities at all. But I also don't I especially don't like the ones where they are just sort of steeped in misogyny and sexism. It's almost so, like gender
1: roles are bad.
0: It's almost like gender roles it's
1: are when bad. It comes down to gender roles. Next question.
0: Yeah, that is. Well, um so when I was looking at different lists of sibling related tropes. There is an unfortunate amount. I'm saying this um now. It's not in my notes, but there was an unfortunate amount of incest related ones.
1: See that is and, what I was afraid you were going to say.
0: Yeah, and so I don't have them written down, but I just want us all to know that I hate it and that I hate that I had to see that with my eyes. Um I'm
1: angry for you. I agree with this.
0: I am angry for myself. I'm angry for the world um i'm angry for other people with siblings who aren't side freaks.
1: note step siblings count
0: oh yeah oh yes oh yes we're looking at you that was most of them were, were the Derek. weird wasn't it like that the actors were actually yeah that's like that's together? the rumor. Or i don't
1: know if that's substantiated by anything really but that's what i've always heard or if people just yeah, say like that. When, I've, when i have discussed this with other humans like I say that like I'm not a person. They
0: also were under the impression that they were dating. Yeah.
1: I discussed this with the humans. That's so
0: weird. <laughs> As yeah, if I am not one. When I yeah. discuss, this, when with I the discuss humans. this with
1: my friends, they seem to agree.
0: When I have when I have had a conversation with another person, um, who was also alive
1: and human, and,
0: and human and had skin, so don't worry about it.
1: Anyway, let's just.
0: I don't like the pause that happened after I said <laughs> that. Personally. More reaction. I got fine.
1: You're fine. It's good. Um. So I think that's all we have to say about that. I don't think we need to discuss the fact that the incest trope is bad. I think we can. Yeah, I feel agree like we should need to sort that of that the taboo we yes. set as a society is enough justification for that.
0: So moving on is the hypocritical heartwarming, which. I don't know how I feel about this name for it because it just doesn't yeah, really... Does a lot of the mean? names for Trove... That
1: means nothing Yeah, to see,
0: you. this one doesn't tell you anything. Basically, it's when a... Usually an older brother, but sometimes older sister or character who plays that role, um, who is sort of a bully to their younger sibling, gets angry and comes to the sibling's defense when someone else treats them the same way that they do with sort of the, like, only I'm allowed to be mean to you sort of mentality. And it's almost always played as supposed to be, like, heartwarming, which there's no, I don't think there's anything wrong with this sort of, like, coming to the defense of your sibling. But it's the fact that, like, in a lot of them, it's not just, like, playful, oh, we're mean to each other, but we love each other in the end. It's, like, genuine meanness.
1: Like, but played off as example? like because i feel like i i've seen this trope a lot and i have felt in real life this trope because i do love to razz you um
0: you do but but he but the thing is you're never genuinely like die <laughs> do I you know what as i a mean child but okay you were oh my god mom the other day in the car was like marcy was so violent to gray as a child And dad and I were like, not really. And mom was like, yes, she was. And we were both like, it was one time.
1: Literally one time, as I think I was maybe two and a half years old, too young to have any sort of, you know, like thought process or like understanding of how my actions would affect others because I had not developed a sense of self yet. Or like, just elevator music up there. Essentially, it's just elevator music and like instinctual urges to like eat in like destruction. Um, and, scream. and scream which is I think an extension of destruction but I slapped Gray as like an infant when I was two and a half and,
0: and mom has inflated that in her she mind inflated to that equal to you that being just the meanest child. To me.
1: and I mean I was mean to you but I was never violent other than that one time when I with my fat You're... little baby fist thonked <sighs> your little fat baby cheek
0: Just that was me. it <laughs> slapped me and bullied me and were so mean to me and broke my arm. But
1: I would break someone else's face if they were mean to you. I do understand this trope. But I see what you're saying, how it can be problematic to excuse when siblings have been genuinely awful.
0: It was honestly hard to find examples of these that were concrete or that I had watched the thing enough to genuinely say, like, oh, I remember that episode or I remember reading that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Especially in sitcoms and especially the older brother. Well, but, like, sitcom older brothers
1: are always characterized as, like, dumb jocks.
0: These weird, like, dumb jock, but, like, they're, like, cool, but they're mean.
1: The sitcom older brother is his own trope.
0: Yeah, that is true. That is, But, I mean, I think
1: this trope exists because this is how real siblings are. Like that's fair I mean, it, it exists because people see it and like oh my god that's how me and my sister are or that's how my brother oh my is. god
0: we do no, that no. Only i'm allowed to punch exactly. him i think it what i think what gets me is when it's physical harm
1: well yeah but we're a bunch of pacifists
0: no yeah yeah i mean yeah you know what you got me there yeah,
1: that's right other families aren't like that they'll slap each that's other true they'll I've really never liked depictions each of each other. Like... I mean, siblings. I don't. I don't excuse this for parents, but I excuse this for children oh, yeah. acting on children because they're kids and they don't have like.
0: They don't a really know what sense they're... of morality. Yeah. But I yeah, mean, like, that's I'm
1: sure I, am sure I smacked you at some point as a kid when we were like.
0: You more did that one time.
1: Terrible in age, though. You know what I mean? Like when I was yeah. eight and you were six. I'm sure there was a time where I was like, "Gray, I can't handle you anymore," and I popped you on the arm or something you know
0: your chosen form of making my life horrible was psychological torture <laughs> I'm um so sorry.
1: I'm so. so sorry i mean <laughs> thing <is> you're right
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway i'm sorry um great. Okay. what is our next trope
0: um our next trope is one that i don't necessarily think is always bad and can be be justified okay pretty easily in some situations um but i do get frustrated by it when it's not justified it's called the only child syndrome
1: what does this mean which is
0: basically it means that the author has basically forgotten that siblings exist and so none of the main characters they're have are all only children they're all only which children is- Statistically,
1: um, very unlikely to not, happen.
0: Yeah, um, especially because and only not, children
1: often lack social skills for a while.
0: <laughs> uh, but, but um, adjacently related, which I also thought was interesting that this was a thing that was related, is um the trope where grandparents just like aren't a thing basically. So like a lot of stories with like orphans, it'll be like, "Well, my parents died," and it's like, "Do
1: you not have grandparents?"
0: left on their own and yeah like the grandparents aren't there yeah and that happens a lot and I thought that was interesting that there was a trope like that that was yeah. I'd never thought about that before
1: well because in real life grandparents are such a present thing like yeah most people know at least like two of their grandparents well throughout their life at least from my experience yeah. you know like we have always grown up in at least a three-generation household like we grew up yeah and like a lot of our grandparents cultures that,
0: yeah they like largely value family and living with multiple generations. So it's unlikely that, like, like it's weird that there are so often stories where the character's parents die and that's it and they have well, no Well, because else.
1: usually their parents die tragically at a young age, which typically would yeah. indicate their parents would still be alive because their parents, you would think, would also be young. Like, that's what I never yeah. really understood, like, about Harry Potter was, okay, I get that he mm-hmm. went to live with his aunt. That's a reasonable conclusion of the death of his parents. But why are his grandparents dead? His parents were 21. They yeah. both tragically lost both their, their yeah. parents. That's really young yeah. to lose all yeah. four parents between a couple, you know? That is true. So, because I mean, that means realistically they lost their parents while they were still in school. But no, that is never addressed, you know?
0: It's never when, mentioned. It's never like...
1: And don't talk to me it's about it in Pottermore. Don't come at me with that. <laughs> I mean, in yeah. the books... The orphan trope is, is real. in Pottermore? I don't know. But anytime I say oh, okay. something You're about Harry Potter, where I'm like, why didn't they talk about this? I feel like someone's like, well, they it in Pottermore. And I don't care. We don't
0: it wasn't care. wasn't in the book. That's outside of the text. Exactly. In my literary classes, we don't always address Boom. that. Depending on the class. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we only address it. But whatever. <laughs> So some some notable examples of only child syndrome are um almost every Disney princess.
1: Yep. A lot of those are just moms dying though.
0: A lot of well, that is true, I guess. Now that you say that with like the mom is dead, so there can't like mm-hmm. she only had one mm-hmm. kid.
1: So the mom died before uh, another child could be born.
0: But like Merida has siblings. Anna and Elsa, obviously. Lilo, but she's not a Disney princess. Um, obviously you have Cinderella's step siblings, stepsisters. I don't know why I said siblings. Um, there's a secret third sibling. <laughs> no, uh, Cinderella's step siblings more but...
1: Cinderella, and that's why we've never heard of her. She
0: was. <laughs> <laughs> this is my OC.
1: <laughs> it's like Alice in Wonderland,
0: but edgy. But drugs. She's on acid now. <laughs> Literally everyone in my high school. Um, let's see, who else I can't think of any other ones that have siblings. Like in Canon. Oh, Ariel. Ariel has oh, a bunch Oh, she
1: has so many siblings.
0: I like that she has a bunch and no one else does, basically, because that I feel like that like to me, Disney was like, Okay, well, we've forgotten about siblings in everyone else's case. What if we just give her all of them? <laughs> she- and, and then we'll be like even. Well, but I think that's like that's part of the original
1: fine. story, isn't it? Is that she has all these sisters, and I don't know. I feel like that's. Is I it? think I don't know. I mean,
0: to be fair, they didn't stick with a lot of stuff from the original. I mean, for that no, movie anyway. The
1: original is a horrific tale about loss I mean, and more. giving up everything for a she man who will never
0: love you. Swords or something, or like yeah, it feels it's like she is. Yeah, it's bad. A <laughs> Oh, and like Marvel has, I think the only Marvel characters with siblings are Thor, um, Black Panther, and Doctor Strange. So not a lot of them with siblings, which has less reason for being a thing because of the fact that they're in modern mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you don't have an excuse. You just didn't want to write them siblings. Yeah. Would just be- which isn't always bad, but... <laughs> I just thought that was I mean, funny. I can
1: see the appeal of not having siblings just because it, it means you have less baggage as a person. Like, you are not bound yeah. to as many things and you don't have to feel as I, guilt when you go on the big adventure, you know, whatever your hero's arc is.
0: As a writer, I understand why families are so often sort of written off for stories with a lot of action and or a lot of danger because it is very appealing to be like, well, they have no reason to stay behind or they have no reason to do this because they don't have any family. Yeah, and there's
1: no collateral emotional uh, damage for running away yeah. when you're running away from a bad household or, you know, you don't have people in your life that you have close relationships with that you have an obligation to, which is what siblings are, you know, especially yeah. in like a close knit family, like they are the people that keep you grounded so to speak. I think it's actually a good transition into the book we picked um, because the book we picked was really heavily about siblings. Um, But it was specifically really about how siblings ground us and connect us. Yes. Like ultimately, that's like one of the biggest takeaways from the book. Um, We read this week The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin.
0: I went to the bookstore yesterday because um, I finally gave in and and bought a Barnes Noble membership um and so i was like yes give me the discount on everything so i went in (laughs) to barnes and noble and i bought the immortalists and then i bought the book that we're reading next week next episode episode. next Mm -hmm. episode and the book that i picked out for next month's theme so just so I'd have them all in one go. I've
1: just been using, like, ordering so. used copies off Amazon, um, except for this one. This one I just read, the Kindle. I actually mostly listen to this book um, because I have a commute, and I also have a lot of time at work where I can listen to things, like, while I'm kind of working in the back. On
0: this podcast, we stand audiobooks. We do
1: stan audiobooks. Thank you, Audible, for not sponsoring this podcast, but for sponsoring my life. We read the book The Immortalist by Chloe Benjamin. Um, it's not that this was like an unknown book. It has won awards. It was a bestseller. It has four stars on Amazon with 1,200 reviews. Are I'm you just, checking I'm good reads right it's now? It's rated.
0: Oh, okay. I was just.
1: Ah, uh, Frickles. I'm on the wrong Google user. Gotta get to the right I'm Google user. Um, I'm yeah. clicking on it. Here we go. It's rated three point seven three stars out of five on Goodreads, um, with one hundred and one thousand ratings, which is a pretty dang good sample size. Should I read the like little synopsis of it? Because I think yeah. the synopsis helps you understand our rating for expectations. So,
0: and I didn't even read this. Like I said earlier, I don't always read the synopsis because I'm horrible. So I didn't even read that until yeah. I was see
1: like- I. Since this was my pick, I book. had read a little bit more about it um, and about. I'd also read like reviews yeah. about it. So, see. You. If you knew the date of your death, how would you live your life? In 1969, in New York City's Lower East Side, a word has spread of the arrival of a mystical woman, a traveling psychic who claims to be able to tell anyone the day they will die. The Gold Children, four adolescents on the cusp of self-awareness, sneak out to hear their fortunes. The prophecies inform their next five decades. Golden Boy Simon escapes to the west coast searching for love in the 80s San Francisco. Dreamy Clara becomes a Las Vegas magician obsessed with blurring reality and fantasy. Eldest son Daniel seeks security as an army doctor post 9-11. And bookish Varya throws herself into longevity research, where she tests the boundary between science and immortality. sweeping novel of remarkable ambition and depth, The Immortalist probes the line between destiny and choice, reality and illusion, this world and the next. It is a deeply moving testament to the power of story, the nature of belief, and the unrelenting pull of familial bonds. End scene. So, I want to just, like, jump on in with this. I don't, like, have talking points yeah. necessarily but i took notes and i have some things i wanted to talk about and it goes
0: my book is um, life with and sticky and i'm going
1: essentially chronologically mm-hmm. so if that helps you with your sticky note situation first off opening line of the book i hate <laughs> <sighs> i just hate the first like paragraph of this book i find that this is a common thing when reading books written by women about being an adolescent girl and it is a weird description of adolescent girls bodies i just
0: would you like to read us yeah, the parts i don't, parts you don't, I don't like? want to say out loud because it's
1: talking about a like, 11 yeah, year old girl and i just
0: she's whatever, 13 whatever it, 13 it the still first
1: makes line. me angry <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's literally like two sentences that I feel could just be left out. And I would have, it just, it took me a minute to get back into the book after that, because it's so, threw yeah, that really threw me. Besides that, though, I yeah. feel like it really kind of got the mood of like, what being a, like being like 13 is like, like, being like, I feel like I have agency, and I am a person, but also I am a child. And it's weird, this in between space and like, you want to be nostalgic about childhood, but you're not even out of childhood yet, you know? Yeah. And, like, there's a line in this first part of the book about the summer of 1969 being special because it's the summer before they sort of fall apart as a family. It's their last summer.
0: Oh, yeah, part. I actually yeah. highlighted you actually that line.
1: have that available to read?
0: But something else created the atmosphere required for this pilgrimage. They are siblings this summer in a way they will never be again. And then it goes on to, like, describe the stuff that they would do after that. Um, and then it says, in 1969, though, they are still a unit, yoked as if it isn't possible to be anything Like, but.
1: in retrospect, like, can you do this? Can you look back at summers where we were, like, the last summers where we were both really kids? Yes. I don't know if I can pinpoint um, a year, but... I have memories of summers where we were and then summers where we weren't. And there's a line, you know?
0: Yeah. it's I And I agree with that, especially because, like, you know me. I had a rough time in middle school. So, like, my sort of um, experience jumping from child to... Adolescent. Like, adolescent was pretty rough and pretty, like, I'm super not a kid anymore, but I'm super not an adult
1: i thought it was a really lovely besides that <laughs> the two lines describing her body in a way that made me so the uncomfortable, weird that we could have weird been things fine we could have left i thought it was besides that a really accurate description of how it feels to be like it's the middle of the summer you're bored you've been home for a month but you have another month until you go back to school yeah and you and your siblings are essentially just dicking around trying to find something to do
0: um, and I also, like, related to the weird descriptions thing, um, when I was going through, like, after I'd read the book and I was I was looking at other people's reviews and stuff, um, this is literary fiction, and apparently that's pretty common right now. But, yeah, so, like, later on when the characters are, like, a little older, it's a little less uncomfortable to read about sexual things and body-related things because it's like, well, at least you're an adult. But um, I was a little uncomfortable with.
1: Um, Oh yeah, no, we're gonna get to that.
0: Experiences were. Do you want to do you want to do other stuff before Um, that, and then we'll put a little footnote there. Or a little, what is that called? No, I'm I'm fine
1: to switch on to Simon. So the book is written. Um, there's essentially like six-ish parts to the book. There's a beginning, and then there's four parts for each sibling, like or one part for each sibling to make four parts, um, and then there is an ending. So, the first part, and they are told in the order that their deaths are predicted. So, the first one is Simon. Yeah. And I love him.
0: He's the youngest.
1: I really do. I Everful. really... Yeah. It's interesting because all the other siblings viewed Simon as selfish.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of that. I never that I didn't honestly felt sort like of he was selfish, but also
1: we were reading, reading it section. in his first person. Or was it first person?
0: That's true. It was third
1: person, but we were reading. No, like, it was we third had, person, we were but privy it wasn't. It his thoughts.
0: Point of view. Simon's section did confuse me in its chronology. Yeah, I have because, feelings about the chronology. Because, yeah, okay. I'm glad I'm not alone on that because there was, like, they give you dates a lot, but then there's still this sense of I don't really know when things are taking mm-hmm. place, even though well, you're literally telling me the it, year. The thing is, it gives you like,
1: a date range for the section you're reading. Like, it'll say. 19 what was it like yeah 78 to 1982 yeah to
0: 1982 but once
1: you're in that section it will skip around between times um and it doesn't do that just in assignment section yeah like throughout the book and sometimes it works fine and you can follow it but there were a number of times where i was like wait we're back in time now like this is a flashback but it wasn't made clear yeah. to the reader that was a flashback like none of the story is told linearly yeah. linear linearly linear, how am i what
0: lin- it's lin- not told in a
1: linear fashion which is fine i don't have any issue with that i just thought there needed to be more clear demarcation for the reader that we're leaving
0: I, I had weird, I had a weird relationship with um, Simon's section because I like his character and I do like this book, but I don't know that, I don't know yet how I feel about the depiction of him as a gay man coming from a gay man myself. Just because I, some of the time it felt very like understanding. And like compassionate. But a lot of but some of the other times it felt very like the way that it talked yeah, about Yeah, I was
1: gonna to ask. It felt very heavy felt handed. Uncomfortable. To me. <laughs> There's a few times where I made the note, wish I hadn't picked this book to read with my brother, because the number of times <laughs> the word cox was uncomfortable. Said made me so uncomfortable oh god so many just knowing that i was going to have to discuss it and with I you think, specifically honestly, <laughs>
0: yeah and i think honestly it maybe would have if that was a balanced thing and if that kind of sexuality was talked about with every other character too i maybe wouldn't have been as uncomfortable it was a little heavy-handed and it yeah, was almost I was hypersexual gonna ask if you felt it was hypersexual in the way that like as
1: like a straight cis person it I don't was a little like... hyper
0: it's, assume yeah. things
1: but it, it felt a little
0: no yeah. yeah yeah I and I went back and forth this while I was reading it because it was like well on one hand it's like justified in the text as like well he's this like eager it says golden boy and it talks about him like being so afraid of his fates that he's just running faster all the time and like there's lines I've I highlighted about that and so sometimes it felt warranted but like it was just, it felt like it went a little bit too much into the stereotype of gay men being hypersexual, yeah. promiscuous people that have sex all yeah. the time with yeah. anyone they can it, meet, you know. Yeah, it does play um, into that
1: stereotype a little much. But like you said, I also, I it's like I understand Simon specifically being that way because he was foretold that he was going to die yeah. really young and so he's living trying to get in as many as experiences as possible before he dies and experience as much like joy. Yeah. And like good before he dies. Um, how do you feel about about Robert?
0: I liked Robert a lot, but I don't understand what age he's supposed to be and that made me feel okay, weird. Okay.
1: Later in the book, Varya reconnects with him as a way to like feel closer to Simon. Yes. And he's sixty. And she's in her fifties, which means that he's older yeah. than Simon's oldest sister, who was how many years older than him? Yeah. She was in college when I he was 16. Know. So like five at least, and, I would say. Six.
0: And he mentions at one point when they're having when they're having a conversation. He says about, he's older um, than Harvey, Harvey Milk, Milk. And Harvey Milk. He says died. that he was older. Which but means Harvey he Milk was forty like five.
1: When he reconnected with Varya. He would have been like 80.
0: And also a forty five year old oh, okay. dating a sixteen year old is the yikesest thing I've ever heard.
1: Um, let's move on to Clara. Is it Clara or Clara?
0: I've been saying Clara in my head, but I they mentioned the nutcracker at one point. Clara, is it Clara or Clara or the thinking Nutcracker? About it, I
1: think the audiobook said Clara. Okay. But it's spelled with a K, and in my head that means Clara for some reason, even though technically they're the same sound. Um, <laughs> but I think it's <laughs> no, actually I get it. Clara. You know. um clara's section is beautiful i think honestly i just really love the juxtaposition of all of the siblings um and how that sort of unfolds like the ways that they handle the prophecy they've been given like simon because his his was horrible um lived life to the fullest and did everything for himself you know and he like was essentially yeah. trying to outrun it Versus Clara, who like, even though she struggles with it, ultimately embraced it, she just has this like beautiful narrative about living between two worlds. like she's very connected to the past. she's so she's connected the to the past, bitch. not only her family who's past because their father dies when they're when they're young, um when she's a senior in high school, and he's the first death in the family that kind of sets off this chain of events, essentially um but she is this bridge between reality and fantasy and between the physical world and the spiritual world and i just love every second of her section honestly but like she has this like way of reflecting on her family and finding connections to herself like like she finds identity in her roots as being a jewish person she finds identity in her roots as her grandparents were circus performers um I, she even identifies with her very religious father and recognizes that they both believe in higher power even if they don't call it the same thing they're kindred spirits because they I both have part. this. they're both open to the like quote like other space like there being a third space in the world you know like that in between reality and fantasy and like leaving open space for a greater reality than what you experience and then that's what she does with her magic it just it's so good (laughs) and then the way that she connects to simon her dead brother and saul her dead father oh my god i cannot and but the but then she understands that that connection extends to her daughter like that she is also the bridge between her family's past and her family's future and she I think I have the quote up. Um, the siblings believe Saul, their father, could answer any question they wished to know, but Clara and Simon grew to dislike his answers. Um, they disdained his routine of work and Torah study, his uniform of garb garbadine. I've never seen that word before. Anyway. They disdained essentially they disdained that he was like a very like <laughs> put you know, straight laced man. Um but now Clara has more sympathy for him. Saul came from immigrants, and Clara suspects that he lived in fear of losing his life he'd been given. She understands, too, the loneliness of parenting, which is a loneliness of memory, to know that she connects a future unknowable to her parents with a past unknowable to her child.
0: Oh, and then the last line that says, to Ruby, Clara's past will seem like a story. Saul and Simon know more than her mother's ghosts. And I just yeah. like that. There's a lot about like a ghosts lot, in Clara's
1: which I enjoy
0: section, which I also. think is really interesting. Yeah.
1: Let's move on to Daniel. I feel like there's kind of a break between Clara and Daniel. Like things are pacing wise, things are going slowly and then you hit Daniel and we're running. Do you know what I mean? Things happen very quickly with Daniel for me.
0: Yeah. I do yeah. Yeah. I I did like that, um, without being too many spoilers, even though all of this death is happening, there's yeah. more people that's coming into the family families are having connections you know, they and grow. These people... people have
1: kids and get married and yeah
0: people like come
1: that. in you know you, it's not just the people you start with your whole life mm-hmm. you know things change and i i like that that it, it does feel very much like a real family you know so i wrote very little down for daniel's chapter i just wrote in all caps yeah. And then I wrote the next bullet point, I have feelings about this, my <laughs> God, but I misspelled about and said ag equals sign bout.
0: <laughs> so that says more than anything else you could say.
1: Because the yeah, chapters really have span several years because I kind of go over when he first met his wife, which is a lovely story, and then being together. But then the bulk of yeah, the action happens in a two-week time span. Whereas the other books had been happening over the course of years or other sections have been happening over the course of years. So Daniel's is a really quick turnaround. Um, But I think he gives us a lot of insight into what the other characters are like, because he has up to essentially like the end of these, his like section. He has a pretty clear head, I think, as a person. He's a doctor. Like he's a very like just Mm -hmm. kind of slow and steady kind of guy like So I think he gives us a good perspective into what Mm -hmm. it was like to have these siblings that were eccentric and off-kilter when he wasn't necessarily, um, versus, like, Clara, who was the eccentric. So her perspectives on her siblings have these...
0: Yeah. There's this really um, cool line in his section that I highlighted that says, when Daniel's talking about... um, Simon he says in Simon's voice he heard the siren song of family how it pulls you despite all sense how it forces you to discard your convictions your righteous selfhood in favor of profound dependence and I just thought that was like really just it hurt me so good Uh, but yeah Daniel does spend um now that I'm thinking about it a lot of his section just trying his best Like, up until shit hits the fan, he's just trying to, like, hold everything together to keep the fan... Like, he's reaching out to people. He's trying to be good at his job and do what's right. Like, he's, you know... um,
1: Sweet baby deserved better, ultimately. Yeah, his
0: his was really rough for me. His, like, his ending without spoilers was pretty rough for me. Two things I noticed was that... um. The youngest, they they die in reverse order of them being born, and yep, like how long they live, and each section. So like you have mm-hmm. Simon, he dies. Clara's section has a lot of her mourning him. Daniel's section has a lot of him mourning yeah. Clara. Clara, and Varia's section has a yeah. lot of her mourning Daniel. So it's everyone after the other. Yeah, and I just thought that was that was really rough. Yep.
1: Yeah. The little Russian nesting dolls of grief and misery.
0: That's a pretty succinct way to describe the events of the book. I would think. I would say.
1: I think I that's think pretty so good as well. <laughs> but also love and family yeah, and hope because it wasn't because and they're it all wasn't intertwined.
0: A like hopeless book. It wasn't a cynical book.
1: No, because. It it was just a yeah. realistic book, like crap happens, you lose people, tragedy hits, and you're still alive, and yeah. you have to navigate that. And
0: there's no good stuff in between. You it.
1: know, the narrative doesn't stop. Yeah, the narrative of your life doesn't stop when someone dies. You have to like learn how to like balance, and it's essentially what Varya section is about, right? Varia's section is about learning to live oh, yeah. with death. And I think this is the reason the book feels hopeful is her section is she's essentially held back her entire life by her fear of losing others. I really to that. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> and in that fear, she has completely disengaged from herself and from everyone in her life. Like she purposefully, doesn't connect to anyone at all including the people she cares about the most with the exception of maybe her mother i really do like varia though i like that she grows so much she grows the most sure. of anyone she does i mean she definitely does she moves from fear to acceptance and that's a difficult thing to i was do.
0: the most um, surprised by her section i think I wasn't. I agree with that. Because the 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 synopsis, I eventually was like, I guess I'll read the back. <laughs> um, mentions um, it says Golden Boy Simon, Dreamy Clara, eldest and Daniel, Bookish Varya. But it says that she throws herself into longevity research, um, and I didn't know what to expect from that. Um, so her mm-hmm. section probably surprised me the most.
1: I think what was surprising about her was none of her siblings, I don't think even Daniel, who she was the closest to, I think had any idea of what a rich inner life yeah. she has. I don't think any of them really knew her, and she didn't really know any of them, and that's something she yeah. struggles with. I really liked um there's a scene where I think it's in Simon's section where he's describing how Varia has always been kind of like ex- not eccentric but neurotic um and how she got angry at him like she it was his example of how she's always like you have to do everything right and she got mad at him when she blew out her birthday candles but three didn't go out and he blew them out for her and from his point of view he was like this is proof of why she is so crazy and uptight and why i can't have a relationship with her she was angry at him for not blowing out the three candles because blowing out the three candles was a ritual to her that ensured that I didn't even catch that
0: until like I completely forgot that he mentioned that in his section until Mm -hmm. you said that just now.
1: And when she mentioned in her section in that, you know, she can think back to as long as she can remember, you know, ever since they went to the fortune teller, she's been doing these things as a bargaining tool essentially to try and ensure that her siblings are safe and like how they completely mm-hmm. misinterpreted it it just was like oh my god the foreshadowing or not even foreshadowing just like the the way that we know each yeah. other is so inaccurate does
0: anyone know anyone else ever really
1: does anyone know anyone <laughs> else know
0: heavy heavy <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, all right. Anyway, overall thoughts. My first bullet point is such a beautiful story about death and grief and learning to oh live through it all.
0: Is this your New York Times review of it?
1: Yeah, okay. this is my New York Times review. Um, I also really like there's this overarching theme kind of interwoven about religion. Yeah, it was more religious I was than I was expecting, but I, I liked it. They're a Jewish family and each of them has a very different take mm-hmm. on religion and a different relationship with religion but at the same time they all like it affects all of them deeply and i thought that was really interesting um and also like that they make a connection between superstition and religion and like the transcendence of the human spirit and religion like i just thought it was like a really w- well done it's sort of like sub i don't know thread i the book. um
0: highlighted a section during simon's where he talks about how he struggles with like the idea of god because um it says something like mm-hmm. well either that means that god messed me up if i'm not supposed to be here he made me a mistake or he doesn't exist at all and it says that he's not sure which one he's more scared of um and i highlighted that at the time mm-hmm. but now that you bring up the theme of all of them interpreting religious religious religion differently um that has more meaning to me now so thank you
1: yeah I think this book is really cool because like I said, it's a Russian nesting doll of grief and despair, but also of hope and family and love. And I think each one of their sections builds on the last section in a way that gives the things you've already read oh, meaning yeah. that you didn't get the first time you read it, which is really cool because it means it'll be a good reread if you decide to reread it.
0: <laughs> that is true. This is one that um, um, I feel like I could write a bunch of essays on and just like get stuff out of all the time forever.
1: Um, The other sort of like theme I really liked, and this relates to the title, which is The Immortalist, um, is like the concept of passing things on being immortality. Like the concept of like you pass on Simon's memory and therefore he is still with us. Um, You pass on the stories of your family to your children. And that means that your family is still with you and that you're still carrying a part of them with you. And even like Varya talking about immortality as her getting to pass on knowledge oh, to yeah. her students. That was psych so, like, I love that. You know. Ugh. It just oh, I really enjoyed it. I just loved all of the themes of this book. Like
0: all of the themes were good. Yeah,
1: like you're right. Like yeah. I could write essays about this book. Like there's just so much meat to it. Like <laughs> there's a lot to sink your teeth into. I will right say now. it's
0: not a great book for like if you don't like things with a lot of meat,
1: yeah, yeah, it is yeah. not a beach read, and it's
0: not, yeah,
1: this is not your vacation book, per se. Um, this is a you want to think and feel a yeah. lot, and like <laughs> if you
0: like that, that's absolutely like it's not, it's it's not trying to be not that, you know what I mean? Um, uh,
1: exactly, yeah, it but that was, that would just is. be
0: something I would keep in mind like for me personally I don't always read books like that so I was I struggled a little bit when I first started reading it with like getting into it but that's a me specific Mm -hmm. thing
1: okay shall we move on to our ratings? real actual ratings yeah I gave this book a five out of five for enjoyability because even though I had some issues with it at the end of the day I really loved it because enjoying can mean different things right like this book was really heavy so it's not like i had a great time reading it but i would find myself thinking about it and wanting to keep reading it and that means that i was enjoying it balance i gave it a four out of five i actually was fine with kind of the pacing being a little bit different for each section i think it needed to have like it helps the siblings feel different which they were different people and it made sense to me that they were paced differently um I give it a four out of five because I thought it was really good for the most part, but I just wanted like a little bit more from Ruby mm-hmm. at the end. Like I just wanted a little bit more about her. Like she got a really little bit. Just wanted a little. little bit more. Um, and I also felt like there was maybe just like a little bit too much in the beginning compared to what was at the end. If that makes sense, like they weren't equal, and I wanted symmetry. Expectations. Um, I said four out of five because I felt that it like mostly exceeded my expectations um but it was also given pretty high praise so that bar was pretty high um writing style I gave a three out of five I also talked a little bit point uh one point for the weirdness of <laughs> bodies and sex <laughs> like it was just like it didn't feel like it belonged to the book. I'm sorry. Like, I know it's an adult book, so we can talk about sex, but, like, it didn't feel... It fell yeah, out of place.
0: Sometimes where it's just, like, superfluous.
1: Um, Memorability, I gave it a 5 out of 5. I think this book really resonated with me, and it's something I'm going to be Aww. thinking about for a long time. So, boom. Um, And believability, I gave it a 4 out of 5 because i felt for the most part the characters were so human um they felt like full people to me as opposed to characters like they were all complex and they all had flaws and they all um had you know pros and cons to them essentially um and they all had these like idiosyncrasies about them but the freaking timing thing yeah Would just pull me out. Because when we talk about believability, I mean, my suspension of disbelief, like my ability to read a thing that didn't actually happen and feel like it's happening. And that would just jar me out of feeling like it was happening. So, um, hold on. I'm doing my average. Five plus four plus.
0: Just do the math out loud. Four plus
1: three plus five plus four divided by six is 4.17 stars. Which I think sounds right.
0: lines up with the 100 million whatever other reviews like the average that they got.
1: Yeah, so I am <laughs> yeah, you're right. It lines up exactly with the 101,000 yeah. on goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> I am not exceptional.
0: <laughs> other people had this opinion.
1: Um what do you um, think, group?
0: My enjoyability, I gave it a 3.5 for that because
1: it's not. I yeah. mean, it's my pick. So I was. Yeah. Kind
0: of I, yeah. And some of that I think is just also, like you said, like I don't really read adult or literary fiction very often. Um, it's just not my favorite. Uh, it occurs to me this is my first episode, so and I haven't mentioned it, but I am primarily a young adult writer, um, so that tends to be my genre of choice. So some of the enjoyability had to do with the genre. Um, some of it I also think is just like. It was really heavy, so I didn't necessarily want to keep reading it some of the time. Balance, I gave it a four. Like you said, didn't have a lot of issues with the way that... like I liked how it was split up in the four different sections, um, and I feel like the different threads in the story were pretty consistent the entire way through. I don't feel like there was one section that was too heavy on one side or too heavy on another. Um, expectations I gave a three my expectations are about what I got but that partially has to do with the fact that I didn't do any extra research before reading this so my expectations were it's a book and it sure was <laughs>
1: in the future we maybe should commit to both yeah. at least reading the synopsis so we can at least say it felt like it like I would not I don't feel betrayed yeah by the synopsis. well I and I read the <laughs> synopsis
0: after I like was like 10 pages in or something um but like i didn't look at the new york Times reviews and stuff um and i started reading it on my like kindle app before i got the physical copy because like the physical copy has all this stuff about how successful it was and how it's a bestseller and all of these quotes about how great it is but the kindle copy that isn't as in your face so i just wasn't reading those
1: yeah. When you like get things from the library and read them on your Kindle, it's so like you don't know if four people have oh, yeah. read this book or 4 million. Nope. Like you have no idea. Like the library Which does not sometimes let you is know.
0: helpful because it can be a little bit of an equalizer.
1: Yeah. It helps yeah. you have a more objective look at books, um, I think But that's sure. why
0: it was my expectations were what they were and it met them. You know. Uh <laughs> noise. <laughs> writing style I gave a 4. Um I did really like I thought the prose was very crisp. I thought there were a crisp. I don't have the fuzzy thing over it yet. Um, I thought that there were a lot of really really cool and good quotes and like a lot of lines that just hit you so hard. Um, but
1: yeah, there's a lot of like yeah. stab in your gut lines. Oh, also side note, I finished this book while commuting home and I was sitting on the metro Surrounded by a bunch of other people who've also are commuting home and just trying to get their day over with.
0: Oh my God, Holding were you really?
1: tears because the Aww. last line of the book was so beautiful. Like, I was sitting there listening to my audiobook, like, smiling. <laughs> I looked so creepy. I had to look <laughs> terrified. <laughs> okay. Hello? And also, like, uh, awesome. oh my God. Anyway. Um,
0: but it's, but not quite a five because of sometimes it would be either two much description. There are there were a few different paragraphs. I remember being like, I don't really care that much about the room. <laughs> you know? Um Yeah and we go. like we said, we've already talked about how we both just super didn't like the description of people's bodies. <laughs> um so that docked it down a little bit. Uh but four is still good. Memorability, I gave it a four. I originally had it as a three, but the more we talked about it, I was like, dang, now I'm actually gonna be thinking about this because now that I've had time to process it a little bit more and discuss some of my feelings on it, it's going to be in there a little longer. So I gave it a 4. Not to the not 5 like you. I don't think I'll forever be thinking about this, but more than the average book that I've read. Um believability I gave a 3. I I thought it was just fine in terms of believability. Like I was like, yeah, people would do that. But I, I think I did dock it one because I was I know that there's not supposed to be definitive answers necessarily, but there was a lot of stuff about superstition that like, without getting too much into spoilers felt like it was trying to be trying to dive a little bit into magical realism, but that it didn't really want to and just sort of backed off from it. Mm. Um. Yeah. yeah. I, I got that vibe and a I would have preferred if it had dived into it personally and so it would take me a little bit out of the like
1: yeah yeah committed to magical realism
0: there are some sections where a character will be having these experiences that feel like magical and then the next section another character will be like well they didn't really experience that and so it would take me out of the out of it a little bit because I was like wait well now that really happened you know that kind of thing um. Mm-hmm. So overall, that's a three point five, almost a three point six. So, what is 3. it exactly? I'm gonna
1: uh, put it plus three point five eight, and then we divide by two. So that's a three point. And that's 8, right 7. at
0: what everyone else was giving it, like overall the average. So that makes sense. Yeah. To me. So...
1: Yeah. So overall, would you recommend this book?
0: Yes, but depending on the person.
1: Okay. I mean I think that's probably true of most books.
0: I don't think it's I would recommend that. this to like there are some books I have read where if someone's like what's a good book, I will automatically say it regardless of what I know about that person's reading style.
1: <laughs> there, there, we have we yeah. all have <laughs> one like um, that. <laughs> so this
0: is just sort of the sort of the average like yes I would recommend it but not to everyone.
1: Overall, I would recommend this book though. Like I would caveat like it's a heavy read but I think it is worth it if you get through it.
0: All right, All mercy. Right. What um, book are you reading next week?
1: Well, I was about to ask you because oh, you're picking the book right. next
0: week. Um, what is, I know the name of the book. I'm just, I'm having to check what the...
1: I'm looking at this I don't remember change, what the author's so. name is, so
0: hold on. Let me get it up. The name of the book is Far From the Tree. It's by Robin Benway. It is a... Y a contemporary because that is my genre of choice um i've already bought the book um i didn't know this until after i'd like picked everything but this and like um, the immortalists and far from the tree have similar um cover designs like they both have like the tree oh, theme cool. which makes sense because the whole thing of like family yeah it's yeah.
1: like family tree so- which I'm literally yeah. just now putting together yeah. Where that's the cover of this book. Because family <laughs> nope. Did not think did not think about that I one did bit, not. did I? So
0: we will be reading that uh, next time. Marcy, where can people find us? What should they know about us?
1: You can find us on Twitter. Um if you want to tweet us or we'll look at our tweets or enjoy the tweeters. I don't get on Twitter. I don't know what you do on there. Um you can find us at, at bookend siblings that is at bookend siblings on twitter um that's kind of the only social media we have right now though
0: for the specific podcast, yeah for
1: this so
0: where can you find us uh elsewhere
1: um you can find both of us individually on goodreads you can look through scroll three scroll three what scroll through scroll three it's just our names
0: Uh, i think mine is actually michael graybola instead of just graybola Because it's like my official author profile or something. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's your official author profile.
1: I have no official author profile for I am but a consumer of media, as I said already. You are
0: but a science person who likes to read.
1: I just like to read, that's all. You like to read. I enjoy it. So, Yeah, um, thank you so much for listening. So our next episode is going to be released on September 8th. Um, so if you are interested in joining us on September 8th, um, you can read Far From the Tree by Robin Binway. Wait, is Um, it? Oh, it is going to
0: be released on the 8th. (gasps) Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's going to be released
1: on the 8th. So, um, typically our books, our books, typically our episodes are going to be released every other week just because what we do requires a lot of homework. Um, we can't release every week. Gray's about to be a full-time student. I work a full-time job. So. Yeah, we got to do every other week, so every but other week. Um, at least for the time being, but just because of this being the first episode, we're kind of recording it early. There's like a whole thing. Anyway, this one time, they're going to be released back A little to back. closer together. But yeah. we didn't want to redo our entire schedule.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so essentially <laughs> what push. happened
1: is we decided to change the date of the first one, but we'd already made the rest of the schedule. Yeah, it So was fine. You're like, going to be reading Far from the Tree by Robin Benway um on September 8th if you want to read it. Um if not, we're going to do the same thing that we did this week which is where we give a pretty in-depth review without giving spoilers too as much spoilers. as we possibly can. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um and I have a book coming out, not to plug myself a little too much. I have a book coming out in less than a no, month. please do. Um uh, <laughs> It's a poetry book called Letters to the Home. It's on Goodreads, it's on Amazon, it's at Barnes and Noble, it's at Indiebound. Um, you can find out all that stuff on my Twitter, at Graybola or on my Goodreads. It's also there. Um, I also have it's a Tumblr. Gray is
1: a Goodreads author. I'm though, a Goodreads like,
0: author. I also like have uh, a Tumblr, like, you know. which is Um Come hang out with me. Marcy's a little more conservative with her social media.
1: I am but a normal person who does she... not need
0: it <laughs> um, In this day and age, everyone's trying to be an influencer. And Marcy's like, screw that. I'm just living my life. And you know what? Essentially. I really respect that.
1: Thank you. I do not need the validation of others.
0: Yeah, you're very like, don't look at me or I'll die. Ha ha. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <That's real. laughs> so come hang out with us. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> please um, subscribe
1: to this podcast if you enjoyed it. Um, please give us, you know, ratings or stars or whatever the platform may be. It is a big help. Um, Helps other people find out about us. If you enjoy listening to us, let us know.
0: Yeah, and let us know what you think about our reviews. If you agree, disagree, we agree. need feedback. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is a, a a new tis a baby podcast. Yes, a baby podcast. So just come hang out with us. It'll be a, it'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time. That's the end. Nice. Bye bye. Bye.